Romans chapter 12. Here's what I am excited about. I am excited about Romans chapter 12, and I'll tell you why I'm so excited about Romans chapter 12. Because it hit me in these past few weeks. It finally hit me as I've read through this. I am asked this question all the time. Hey, John, what do you think God's will is for? And then fill in the blank. You know, this situation in my life. What's God's will for me? What should I do? I've asked myself that question lots of times. I've said, you know, God, if you would just tell me what your will is, I would do it. This search, this desire for that golden nugget to know what the will of God is, is huge, everybody. And God's will is good. All of us want to participate in whatever God's will is for our lives because the scripture tells us it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. It's not bad, and we covered that last week. And in Romans chapter 12, we are given a biblical process, a biblical process for us knowing what the will of God is. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. So let me read some verses to you. Romans 12, starting in verse number 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Let's stop right there and pray. Heavenly Father, uh, this whole topic, God, of what is your will for my life? What is your will, Lord? This is huge. I bet almost every single person in this room, maybe even this past week, has just really thought about that. God, what is your will? So many books, so many prayers, so many things, so much energy has gone toward this, trying to figure it out. Lord, it would appear as if here in Romans 12, you give us a process for discerning what your will is. Lord, speak to us today. Because your will is a great and awesome thing, and we want to grab hold of it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to review real quick what we talked about last week. This one thing. Step number one in the process is this. To start every day, to start every day by totally surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Why? Why do we start every single day? Why is that important that I begin my day by like saying, God, it's all you. Whatever you want, I'm totally surrendering to you. Psalm 118 says, this is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, every single day. Romans 12 says this. It says that we should present our bodies as living sacrifices before God. Living, like total commitment, total surrender to God. Living. Now, what's the deal with the living sacrifice? So you think about this altar, right? Somebody's going to sacrifice, totally dedicate their life to God. But it says that we're living sacrifices. What can a living sacrifice do that's up on an altar? What is, what is an option for that living sacrifice? Do anybody know? To get off the altar. If it's dead, it's not moving, right? Unless you move it. But with something that's alive, it means that there are days that I can wake up and say, you know what, God, yesterday, yesterday I could say to you, I'm totally strange. But you know what, God, there's some things that I want to do for myself. I don't, you know, I'm just not into it today, God. I don't feel like it. So today is not your day. Today is my day. And that's why it's important that we start every single day and we say, God, today, this is the day I'm starting my day out. But say, I'm totally surrendering to you. I'm not going to get up off the altar. I'm totally surrendering. 
And there's been so many challenges in my, in my own life where I feel like, you know what, today is not the day. Now, why do we back away from the will of God? Well, because deep down, I think many of us think, I am included, that maybe God's will is not a good thing for me. Like, I'm afraid to say, God, whatever it takes, I want your will in my life. Because then what's going to happen? Then something bad's going to happen to me. Like, life is going to get really bad really quick. I'm afraid of that. Because deep down, I'm not totally sure that God is good or he has my best in mind. And so we back away and we're scared. And that's why Romans 12 tells us God's will is what? It's good, perfect, and it's pleasing. So we don't have to worry about that. So it says, it says to us that this is our spiritual worship. And we talked about that last week. What's the word spiritual mean? The word spiritual means this, wise, smart, and reasonable. So what is that saying to us? It's saying to us, why would anybody want to totally surrender themselves to somebody else? Why would they want to do that? You think about two people getting married. This here says that you present yourself before God. It's like two people getting married. They present themselves to each other and they say what? For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health until what? Death do us part. I am all yours, baby. Here I am, right? So this is total commitment. But here's the thing with God. God is perfect. I mean, you thought your spouse was and then you got married, right? But God, <laughs> right? But God is genuinely perfect. God is genuinely perfect. And you present yourself to God whose will, who, God knows everything. God always knows the most and God's will is always the best for you. So if that being the case, we run towards surrendering to God because we know it's the smartest thing we could ever do. So that's how we get into this thing. That's how the Bible leads us into this process. That the smartest thing any person could ever do is totally put themselves in the hands of God 100%. All right. I want to say one other thing before I get into step two. And that is, is that Romans chapter 12 answers three critical questions that most all human beings ask. Number one, it asks, who am I? Who exactly am I? Romans 12 tells us that. It tells us where I belong. Where do I belong? And then lastly, it says what I should be doing. That is all contained in the 12th chapter of Romans. I think it's important to note that. All right. Step number one, start each day by totally surrendering yourself to Jesus Christ each day. Here's step number two. Pursue a mental metamorphosis. Pursue a mental metamorphosis. Here's what the scripture says. Verse two, Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. The word there transformed in verse number two is the word metamorphosis, which means there is a change that starts on the inside and it works to the out. Now, what do most human beings, me included, what am I thinking about changing? Am I thinking about inside out? Or am I thinking about outside in? I'm much more interested in the outward projection, the image that I project to other people. I'm much more interested in the outside and then maybe it'll work its way in. And God says the biblical process here is it starts on the inside and it works its way to the outside. It's got to start on the inside. And Jesus says, this has been a hang-up for a long time. That's why he says to a group of people called the Pharisees, he says, look, you guys... You're so worried about the outside of the cup and the inside of the cup is so filthy. He says, what kind of cup would you like to drink out of? 
a cup that's clean on the inside or a cup that's clean on the outside. You got to really think about this metamorphosis that starts on the inside. So the catch with the chains happens. So here's the million dollar question, everybody. What is God's will for your life? How will you begin to move towards grasping that and knowing what the will is God for your life? All right. Step number three tells us, and it starts in verse number three. The first word of verse number three lets us know. It's this Greek word that's a connecting word, and it connects what's just been said in verse two at the end, knowing the will of God with what is getting ready to be said at the beginning of verse number three. And verse three says this, okay? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. So step three is this. Don't think too much about yourself. Don't think. So the first step in the process, everybody, into discerning the will of God, into having a renewed mind, a transformed mind, this mental metamorphosis that starts from the inside out begins with this, not to think too much about yourself. Now, that's a problem. That's a problem. I'm going to tell you why it's a problem. I know it's a problem for you, huge problem for me. Ever since... I've been going to church, hearing messages, or going to Bible college and hearing messages on Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and talking about this renewing of the mind. Every commentary that I've read about this, and my own personal thoughts as I read it, the first thing I think about everybody is how do you renew your mind? You do what? You read the scriptures. You read the Bible. You read the Bible. Because the Bible renews your mind. That's how you change your thinking. But here's the problem. And here's where my wife and I, we've just been going at it this week. I said, Krista, how do you renew your mind? Well, that's easy, John. You read the Bible. It doesn't say it in Romans chapter 12 that that's the first thing you do, though. That is a problem. I wanted to say I was having this major argument with God all week. It's supposed to say right there. It's supposed to say, break out the Bible and start reading it. But it doesn't say that. What it does say is that we have to deal with ourselves first before we ever turn to the Bible, which was like messing up all these many years of thinking that I've had on this subject about mental renewal. It doesn't start with the Bible. It starts with ourselves. Now, for those of you who are Bible thumpers and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, buddy. Okay, the Bible plays a very critical role, a role that has to be there. It's not like it's not like it's not important. It is a vital role and it must be there. But we'll get to that later. Where we start with is ourselves and our own pride. The focus on ourselves. Here's the thing. I can read this Bible all I want. And I can fill my head full of knowledge. And as Paul says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I can fill my head with all kinds of knowledge, right? And not make one bit of difference of transformation in my life. I can be as far as east from the west to knowing and doing the will of God. And I could know the Bible all day long, okay? We can hide behind this Bible all day long. I know the Bible. But be so far from God's will. Because until I deal 
with myself and who I really am in my own pride, the power of God's word cannot break through, will not break through what I won't let it break through in myself. Does that make sense? And so that's why the process in Romans chapter 12, which was bothering me this past week so much, begins with me and me thinking too much about myself, not with God's word. So it says we should not think too much about ourselves. What does that mean? Well, I thought, that's easy. That's people who have a lot of pride. You know those people. Not me, but all the other people in the world that it's so easy to pick out. People who are arrogant and proud are so easy to pick out in a crowd, aren't they? I mean, you never see them in the mirror, but there are all kinds of people around, nasty people around you that just think so much about themselves, right? It's the people who just think so highly of themselves, so positive, I'm all this or that, I'm good, or I'm not bad like this person over here. But you know what? I looked up this word this past week. I thought, you know, the problem is with self, right? The problem is with self. The word word says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. And the word highly there means volume or abundance, so here's the thing. It's not everybody, just the people running around who are thinking all these good thoughts about themselves, who think that, you know, they're so arrogant and proud and all this kind of stuff. It's also the people over here who are thinking negative thoughts about themselves. It's the volume of thought about yourself that is the problem so whether you're thinking positive thinking i'm great and i'm better than everybody else or you're thinking oh woe is me you know i'm always you know everybody's putting me down nobody likes me i don't have this i don't have that either way you're thinking about what you're thinking about yourself and self is the problem here self is the problem it's kind of like bowling i hate bowling it's the, it's the only game my wife can beat me in, and uh, I absolutely despise it. It was some Satanist came up with that whole thing, bowling. Here's the thing. You roll the ball down, right, and on either side you've got a gutter. You have a gutter, one on the right, one on the left. And the thing is, is if, it, if the ball goes in the right gutter, it's not going to hit any pins, is it? Zero. I get zero points. If it hits the left gutter, right, no points either. It's the same way. Whether you're thinking positive about yourself over here or negative about yourself over here, you're in the gutter on either side of that equation and you come up with no points. Self is what stands in the way most times with us being able to understand what God's will is for our lives. Self. We have to deal with self. Okay? Now here's step number four. And this is where it's going to get a little tricky. Because step number four is this, is that we need to make an accurate assessment of who we are. Make an accurate assessment of who we are. Now, here's the tough thing. We just said that self is the problem. Like, don't be thinking all about... This doesn't mean that you don't take care of yourself, all right? It doesn't mean that you totally like, oh, I don't think about it. I don't need to sleep. That's not what I'm saying. Obviously, you have to think about yourself some, okay? But we're talking about an abundance of thinking about yourself. Now, then step four, we say, make an accurate assessment of who you are. So... Don't think about yourself, but while you're doing that, you need to think about yourself. And here's what it means. Here's what it means. The word think is the optimal word here in verse number three. That word is basically used three different times in this little tiny verse. I want to read it to you again. Verse three. For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think. Well, notice this. 
with sober judgment. Sound judgment. What that means is accurate judgment before God. That's the way that we need to think about ourselves. So here's the question, everybody. Who are you? Who are you? Who am I? Who am I really? This question is what stands number one, point number one. This is what stands in most of our ways from us being able to grasp God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives. Who are we? Are we patient? Are we really patient people? Are we an impatient person? Am I really rude? Or am I kind and polite? Right? Am I controlled? Or am I out of control? Am I an honest person? Am I a dishonest person? Who am I really? If somebody really knew me well, what they, would they say about me? God, what would God say about me? Until I get an honest and accurate assessment, until I get completely honest and accurate with God about who I am, transformation is impossible. I want to say that again. Transformation, everybody, begins with me admitting to God really, really who I am. With me getting completely honest with God who I am in. Salvation, everybody, begins with us getting honest with God about who we really are. I like how Paul puts it. 1 Timothy chapter 1. He just comes right out and basically says it this way. Hello, my name is Paul. I am the best sinner I know. Who I am. Alcoholics Anonymous has become famous for transforming people's lives. And some people say transforming it in a way that the church of Jesus Christ, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, has been unable to transform people's lives. People will argue that. And how does that begin? Hello, my name is John. I am what? An alcoholic. This is who I am. Until we get completely open and honest and accurate before God about who we really are on the inside, you can... You can take this Bible and read it until you just wear the pages completely out. You will not transform. I will never transform. God's Word has no hope of making a transformation and a mental renewal in my life until I deal with God and I get completely honest with God about who I am. That's Adam and Eve in the garden. So they mess up and what do they do? They immediately go into hiding. That's what I do. That's what I do. All these years later, I'm doing the exact same thing. So people come to me all the time and say, Hey, John, you know, I really want to figure out what God's will am I. And I say, Okay, why don't you tell me what your options are? Man, let's pray about it. Or let's, let's break out the Bible and see if we can, you know, we can find some verses that maybe guide us. And those are all good ideas, but it's not the first idea. According to the Bible, the first thing should be said, Okay, is, you know, Maybe you and God need to get alone and you need to tell God exactly who you are. Because if something's gumming up the works, that's probably it. Because when we get totally honest, we got, hey, God, you know what? I'm a selfish person. Let's just put it on the line. I don't think I know any guys who don't struggle with lust. I don't think I know any guys that when a woman walks by, oh, man. Now, guys, we can fight that with willpower all we want. We can try to get into the Bible and, you know, Jesus, 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 all we want. 
But you know what the best way to do is? Is to come before Almighty God. So you know what, God? Whew, this is who I am. This is the deal. Can you help me out with this? God, you know what? I struggle with bitterness. I struggle with unforgiveness. This person did me wrong, and I'm going to tell you honestly, God, if I catch them in the alley one time, I'm going to beat the daylights out of them. I am so mad at them, it's keeping me awake at night. The best thing we could do, everybody, if we want to know God's will, is be brutally 100% honest with God. Bring it before God. Until we do that, we are going to find ourselves distant from the will of God. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. Awesome verses in the scripture. Awesome. If we say, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive who? Does anybody know how it ends? We deceive who? Ourselves. Oh, not somebody else. Forget that. We deceive ourselves. That's that self. That's our real problem. I know lots of people who are living in a fantasy world all inside of themselves. Like they've got them, their own selves convinced about the kind of person that they really are. I, I can't, I can never see that stuff in myself. It's so much easier to talk about other people. I just want to be clear here, but I'm sure I've got that same problem. So let's be honest. It's the deception of myself that is the problem. And until I stop deceiving myself and I just say it right out to God, you might say, but hey, but whoa, John. Wait a minute. God already knows, right? He knows everything. He knows everything. I can tell you this. It's been those moments, everybody. When I've, I've said that to myself for weeks and weeks and months and months and lived that way. I said, oh, you know, God, you already know, you know. You already know. But it's been that defining moment when I finally said it, just God and me. Just God and me. And thank goodness God is not the principal. It's not like going to the principal's office and getting a beating, Okay. I can come before a loving God and I say, God, this is exactly who I am. And in that defining moment, I feel a transformation starting right inside of me. This is the biblical process for us figuring out God's will. Total honesty with God. Today is Communion Sunday. God has orchestrated this perfectly today. Day is a day in which the scripture says that we come before God, everybody, and we search our hearts. We examine our hearts. It's a moment in time. Thank goodness for what Jesus Christ does. You know, here's the thing. If any of us are afraid, if any of us are afraid to like get totally brutally honest, like, gosh, I can't, I can't tell God that. Think about what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. If that's not love, I don't know what. Took our place. I don't know of anybody who would take my place to be beaten like that and put up on a cross. That's how much he loves you, and that's how much you can trust him. That's how much I can trust him. I can come before God and say, this is exactly who I am. Whenever I have done that in my life, that's when I felt transformation starts inside of me. Look, everybody, here's the thing. God's will, God has a will for your life. That's what the scriptures just strongly indicate. God has a will and a plan for your life, and it's a good plan. It's a pleasing plan. It's a perfect plan. And I want to say this. It's a plan that you want to get your hands on. It's a plan that you want to experience and you want to live out. Here's step number one, brutal honesty with God. And today is the day to do it as we take communion. I'm going to ask those who serve in communion to come up, the music team to come up. Uh, 
We're going to hit the lights, turn out the lights, and the music team's going to play. I want to pray. I want to pray. This is just between you and God. But I've got to tell you this. I, I, I'm not the kind of person who would want to go running to, to, to another person and say, hey, let me explode, expose to you all the problems I have in my life. Man, that would just like, that would scare me to death. I would run for the mountains. But thank goodness that we can come right before God, a loving, good God, just you and Him now, and share it. So I want to encourage you today, don't let anything hold you back from experiencing God's good, pleasing, and perfect will in your life. Step right up to the plate and tell God whatever is in your heart with total accuracy and honesty. I'm going to pray for this uh, communion, and then you come whenever you want to come. And take it, go back to your seats, take communion, and just spend time with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, that, God, you have a plan for every single person in this room. And that plan, Father, according to your word, is good, it's great, it's awesome. Like we want, we want to get our hands around that plan. We want, to, we want to partake in that plan. We want to experience it so it's absolutely incredible. But God, the reality is, is that for many people I talk to, they feel like they're distant from that plan. They're not, they want more, but they don't know how to get it. And we pray and we read the scriptures. Father, you give us this process here in Romans 12, and it says don't let anything stand in the way. Like get completely honest with you, good, loving, perfect God, that we can expose everything, that we don't have to deceive ourselves by trying to deceive you, that we can confess whatever it is here this morning. We can lay it on the line. Whatever that might be, I'm filled with lust. I'm filled with dishonesty. I'm filled with bitterness, anger, and frustration. That I doubt you. Whatever it might be, God, and we can just name it before you today like a laundry list of things. And in the midst of that confession, you can come in and create a transformation inside of our lives and lead us toward your promised land for us. Father, as we eat this bread and we drink this cup and we think about the love of Jesus Christ for us, I pray every single one of us would search and examine our hearts that nothing would stand in the way of your goodwill being done in us. Father, bless the eating of this bread, the drinking of this cup, for your honor and for your glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.